The children this morning can be dismissed for Children's Church. They're going to head upstairs to the chapel for the remainder of our time together. We're going to be in John chapter 6 this morning. You can turn there. It's going to be page 891 if you're using a pew Bible this morning. A little over a week ago, I was visiting with a a pastor friend of mine and we were talking about how I was going to be preaching last week and and this week. And he asked me what I was preaching on. And I said, said last week I was going to preach on on John chapter 1. And uh, and he scoffed a little and, and said, I'm preaching through the book of John right now. And he says, it took me 10 sermons to get through John chapter 1. And I said, well, I have to do it in one because the second week, I'm taking all the rest of John in the second week. And that really was my intention. My intention, as I told you last week, was, was we looked at titles that were put onto Jesus in John chapter 1. And then I was going to look at seven different passages in the rest of John where Jesus uh, claims a title for himself, saying, I am, and then shares a little bit more. And so that was, that was totally what I had planned today, and so, so I had that kind of mapped out. And then this week, after I got back from camp, I started to just put more meat to that skeleton and just said, oh my goodness, there's no way. I'm going to be able to do that. The only way I figured that I could do it was if I brought fireworks and at the end of the message we would go outside in the dark and shoot fireworks off because that's how long it was going to take for us to do all of those things. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at at the first of those things that Jesus talks about. It's in John chapter 6. And then I'm going to be back at the end of July, first part of August for a couple of messages. And we'll go and we'll look at a couple more of those then. And I think there's even another time towards the end of August where I'll share again. And so we're going to break up this message into several chunks and take it through the summer as I share. But today we're in John chapter 6. Let me just first remind you, for those of you that were here last week, or if you weren't here last week, just a little bit about what we talked about last week. We talked first about John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, towards the end of the book of John. John says, this is the purpose of my book. And the way that he says it is, is that Jesus did many other signs and presence in the in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book. And then he says in verse 31, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John makes it very clear. This is the purpose for my book. This is why I'm writing it. This is what I have for you. I want you to know that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. And so, when he starts in John chapter 1, there's several titles that we looked at last week that he put on Jesus. In the, in the preamble, in the first part of John chapter 1, we saw that Jesus was the Word, that Jesus was the true light, that Jesus uh, took on flesh, that God took on flesh and made his dwelling with us. And then we jumped into John the Baptist giving Jesus a couple of names, saying that he was the Lamb of God who was to take away the sins of the world, that he was the Son of God, John said. Some of the disciples called him rabbi or teacher. Uh, Andrew called him the Messiah, the one that we have finally found. We've been looking, we've been searching, and we found the Messiah. Philip called Jesus the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Nathaniel said that he is the son of God, that he is the king of Israel in chapter 1. 
And then at the very end of chapter 1, Jesus kind of gives us his own title, the one that he used all through the Gospels the most, Son of Man, which comes from Daniel, we talked about last week. And we talked about how Jesus ends chapter 1 there saying that, that he has a vision of a ladder that goes between earth and heaven and that, and he, he says, he refers to Jacob's dream in Genesis, but then he says, I am the Son of Man, I am that ladder, I am the thing that goes between earth and God. And then we read through the rest of John and he begins to show us that picture that he is, he is the way. And so we come a few chapters later now to John chapter six. John chapter six begins with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we're not going to look very long at that, but you know that story that, that there's a, a, a large gathering of people that come to hear Jesus' teaching and, uh, and they're there a while and, and it comes time for a meal. And so uh, Jesus' disciples gather up some loaves and fish, just enough for one lunch, but Jesus multiplies it and changes it so that everyone is able to be fed. And then not only are they able to be fed, but there's leftovers that he tells the disciples to pick up. And so they do, they gather together the leftovers and, and people see that miracle and they see what Jesus has done. And so, so Jesus senses that they want to try to, to grab him and force him to be the king, to force him to be the leader of the people. And so he withdraws, it says in John chapter six, withdraws away from the people so they can't start that revolt with him. And then he sends his disciples on. And so they get in a boat, it says in John chapter 6, and they begin to travel across the sea. And as they're traveling across the sea and they're rowing their boat and, and, and getting out there, a great huge storm comes up. And, and in fact, it says that they, that they have a hard time going. They can't row any farther. They're about three or four miles out. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that storm, they see a man who's walking on the water, and it's Jesus. They invite him in the boat, and the story tells us here in John, it's, it's told in different ways in other books of the Gospels, but in, in John, it says that Jesus got into the boat, and, and the storm instantly ended, and they showed up on the shore. That Jesus had calmed the storm, and the boat had moved to exactly where it needed to be. And he said, it's me. Don't, don't be afraid. And this is the picture that we get. This is, there's a, there's a pattern in the gospels where this kind of thing happens a lot, where there's, there's a high point. Jesus multiplies bread and fish and feeds 5,000 people. And immediately after that, immediately after you have one of these high points where something miraculously huge happens, there becomes a, a, a storm or there becomes some kind of major trial that comes against the, the, the people, especially the disciples, or even against Jesus. Something major happens, a hard thing happens. And then in the midst of that, Jesus creates peace, as he did for the disciples who were in the boat. The storm comes. Jesus enters the boat and the storm calms. Jesus creates peace. And, and when that happens, then the disciples uh, especially have a, a, a new sense of being ready, being able to learn. They, they, they're, they're more in tune with who Jesus is. They have that picture. And so now that, that, they, that the storm has been stilled and the storm has been calmed, they're ready to learn. That's where we pick up in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, starting in verse 22, I want to share with you Read through the scripture and then share with you a few things. In John chapter 6, verse 22, it says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. 
but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing at all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that we may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus says to them, Truly, truly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Jesus' first I am statement that we find in the Bible comes here in John chapter 6. 
as I said, Jesus, his disciples got in the boat. Jesus was not in the boat when they left, but walked across the water and, and entered the boat and they arrived on the other side. And the people the next morning didn't have any idea what, what was happening, where they were going. They knew the disciples had gotten in a boat and gone. They knew that Jesus wasn't with the disciples, but they couldn't find him. They didn't see Jesus when they came back to the shore that day. And so they also jumped in a boat to head to the other side. When they got there, they said to Jesus, how, how, did, how did you get here? And really what they were saying was, was what, what's happening now? We want, we want to see more. And Jesus knows exactly what they're asking. In fact, he doesn't even answer how he got there, which is what they originally asked. He says, he says to them, um, you're seeking me because, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He, he calls them out right away. He says, you're seeking me because you want to see what happened yesterday. You want to see that same thing again. Last week we talked about how Nathaniel was, was moved by Jesus when Jesus said that he could, he could see in Nathaniel that there was no deceit in him, no guile in him. And then said to Nathaniel, I, 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 I saw you under the fig tree. I knew you under the fig tree. And we talked about how Jesus sees us both inside and outside. And that happens again right here in John chapter 6. Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. He, he knows exactly what they have going on in their minds. And so Jesus just gives them the whole message right here, right at the very beginning. It's all there. He says in, in verses, verse 27, he says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, God, the father has set his seal. Jesus sums up the whole message right there in one verse. And yet, the people, right away, then they say to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do? Their response, Jesus gives the lesson. He says, he says we have to, you have to have the food that endures to eternal life. It's the Son of Man, and God has put his seal on him. It's all there. And their response is, what must we do? See, that's the way we respond almost always is what, what can we do? What is our part? What, what's, what, what's our part in it? How can we make this happen? We want to have a part in it. And in fact, as they go on to talk about it, they, they bring up manna from, from heaven. They bring up the story of Moses, if you remember. When, when Moses leads the Israelite people out of Egypt, they come right to the edge of the promised land. And there's probably a million people there gathered together that, that need to have some kind of food. They need to have something provided for them. And so one morning they wake up and they come outside their tents and there on the ground, all around the, on the ground is, is a, a, a manna. It's a, it's a kind of a white bready substance that they take. And, and in fact, they don't even know what it is. That, that's how it gets the name manna, which is, which is what is it, is the translation of that word. They, they don't even know what it is, but they, they begin to gather it up and they eat it and they, and, and they learn that they're not to, not to save it, that it only lasts for that day, that it will come again the next morning, and that six days a week they're gonna gather it up on that sixth day, they're gonna gather up only two days worth, and they'll eat it on the Sabbath, and, and it only lasts for that one day, and that God will provide it over and over and over again. 
And he does for the Israelites. Provide manna over and over. And here, these Israelites are saying to Jesus, they're saying, saying, what part do we have in this? What do we need to do to have this bread that endures to eternal life? What part in it do we have? We Kind of like when Moses had the, the manna that he's saying. We, we want to we have a part in it just like that. As if the Israelites had a part in feeding themselves that day. Do you know the part that the Israelites had in eating the manna that God had provided for them in Exodus? They opened up their tent and they walked outside and they bent over and picked it up. That was it. That was their part. God did everything else. That was their part. It's almost as if they're saying, it would be like you and I saying this morning that when we woke up, we went outside on our front stoop and we bent down and we picked up the newspaper and we take credit for everything that's there. That, that all of the news was ours. We, we, we're the most important part of the process because we bent over and picked up the newspaper. And yet they say a little bit more than that. They say, our part's pretty important. We bent over and picked up the newspaper, but also the, the paper boy that brought the paper to me and put it on my, on my stoop, he, he also must be important. That's what the people are saying here to Jesus. They're saying, the Israelites, they, they did the work, they gathered the manna, and Moses, he also, he was pretty important. He was the, he was the prophet. He's the one that, that brought it. And Jesus says to them, he, he kind of, I, I get the feeling he almost is laughing when he says, he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. It's almost like Jesus says, it's not about what Moses did. And it's not about what the Israelites did when they gathered it up and ate it. They aren't the important ones in the story. Moses was the paper boy, and you're the one that picks up the paper, but the one who put it together, who gathered the articles, who wrote the articles, who put it through the printing press, the one who did all of the work to create it in the first place, the one who provided it, was God. He's the one that did all the work. We want to be a part, though. We want to have a role. We want to see our importance. We're wired in such a way that we look only at ourselves. Our sin and selfishness is such a part of who we are that we want our role to be significant. We want our role to be important. And Jesus says, your role in this is not all that important. Your role in this is not absent. He doesn't say that. But your role is pretty small in the grand scheme of things. He said, what must we do to be doing the works of God. And Jesus answered in verse 29 of chapter 6. This is the work of God. You believe in him who he has sent. God is going to do the work. Your job, your part in it, is to believe. It's no more than just bending down and picking up what's right there in front of you. Everything else is going to be God's work. You bend down and pick it up. Well, they can't handle that. Just like we would not be able to handle that. And then they say right away, 
Well, then what sign do you provide? What sign do you do that we can see and believe in you? What work do you perform? They want to see really how great Jesus is. They say, we want to see more from you. We saw it yesterday when you fed 5,000 people with just a couple of loaves and fish, but now we want to see even more. Show us more. We're looking for more. We want to have a part in it. We want to have a role in it. And then the other part of what happens because of our sin and selfishness, because of our own sinful, selfish nature, is we want to have a part in it. And then we're always looking for the wrong thing. We're always looking for the wrong thing. And that's what happens with the Israelites here. They, they want to have a part in it. What do we do? And then they say, now what, what do you do? Show us some more signs. Give us some more miracles. Give us some more things. Because they think they know what they need. They think they know what they want to see. They think they know what will ultimately help them and satisfy them and bring them to eternal life. They think that they have a picture of what they want. And yet, if they were to get what they want, they would ultimately come up empty. They would ultimately come up unsatisfied. Our need is far greater than what we can know, far greater than what we can understand, even greater than what we can imagine. And that need is placed inside of us to drive us towards the Savior, to drive us toward this bread that goes to eternal life. In Acts chapter 17, it says that you, this is put, this desire is put inside of you so that you might grope around for God, that you might look for Him and grope around as if in a dark room. And that in Him, Jesus is the one who will give us our life and our being, it says in Acts chapter 17. But we don't see it. We're always looking for the wrong thing. And that's what was true here for the Israelites as well. It said, show us another sign that we may see and that we may believe. What work will you perform so that we might know and understand? And he says, says, Moses wasn't the one who gave you the bread. My father gives you real bread. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so then they say, okay, we, we understand now. Now give us that bread. And we come to this statement then in, Jesus, in John chapter 6, verse 35. It's the first of the seven times that Jesus talks about being, I am something else. I am the bread of life, he says here. Or I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or I am the light. Or I am the, the gate. Or I am the good shepherd. Those are some others that we see in the book of John. But this very first statement, Jesus says here, they say, okay, All right, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus makes a clear statement. I am the bread of life. If you've been around the church very long, you know that phrase, I am is really not just saying what Jesus, Jesus is not just saying what he is, but he is taking on the name of God. Again, we go back to the Old Testament, but Moses, even before he leads the Israelite people out of Egypt. In in Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses has an encounter with God at at that burning bush. And he says, 
to, to God who's, who's visiting with Moses. He says, how, when, when you send me, how are they going to know that it was you who sent me? What name am I supposed to give for you to all of those people, to the leaders of, the, of, the, of Egypt when I go to demand that he sets your people free? What am I supposed to say? Who sent me? Whose mission am I on? And there that burning bush says to Moses, the name is I am. I am. The name that God gives to himself. The name that says, before there was even a beginning of time, I am. All the way through the end of eternity, no end, all the way through the the rest of eternity, I am. The godly characteristics and traits that we look at through scripture, I am those things. I don't just have them. I don't just exhibit them well. I am goodness. I am righteousness. I am Those are the same words that Jesus uses here in John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Everyone who heard it knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They're saying, sir, give us this bread. Give us this bread that will lead us to eternal life. And he's saying, that bread is me. I am God And I am the way. I am the bread. You're looking for the wrong thing. You need to look at me instead, is what Jesus is saying. You can see as as you as we read through John chapter six, or as you look at it there, they hear what he's saying. They they comprehend a bit of what he's saying, so much so that it makes them angry, it makes the teachers of the law angry. They get upset with him because he says that that he is the bread that came down from heaven. And he goes on to explain it even more there in chapter 6. They have a picture of who he is. They know exactly what words he's using when he says, I am the bread of life. And they have an understanding that he is the way to eternal life. Whoever believes in me will never thirst, he says. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So why? Why would Jesus, why is the, his first I am statement in John, why is it about being the bread of life? Why is it about eating? Why is it about food? Why is that the picture? Why is that the picture that Jesus chooses to use as his very first uh, announcement that he is God? Why would he choose to use it that way? So what I want to do this morning, before we come to the table, I just want to share with you just four quick things, I think, about why why Jesus would choose bread, why he would choose food, why he would choose eating as the picture of who he is. Why that metaphor? Four quick things. One, eating is a necessity. Eating is a necessity, and all of us understand that. All of us understand that you have to eat. Everyone has to eat. Now there's, there's two kinds of eaters. There's sustenance eaters who only eat enough to survive. And then there's 
satisfaction eaters who are like me. I am a satisfaction eater, an experience eater, who eat because you really like it, and you like what you have to eat, and you want more and more of it. But everyone knows that whether you're a sustenance eater or an experienced satisfaction eater, you have to eat. It's a requirement. It's a necessity. It's the only way to survive. It's a requirement for living. And there really is not an adequate substitute for eating. Now you might be into to protein shakes and all of these other these other dietary supplement things that maybe are are helping you and there are some there are some other things that people try but the truth is there's no way for you to survive if you do not eat if you do not get some kind of nourishment it's a necessity so Jesus starts by saying I am the bread of life there is a need there's a requirement you have to have it you cannot survive without me you will not have life without me eating is about necessity eating is also about bread is also about satisfaction it's also about satisfaction that we have a a need we 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 know when we're hungry and and we know that our bodies need to have food and so we have to to satisfy that longing we have to satisfy that hunger now some of us satisfy it too often or too many times or with the wrong kinds of things but there is a need there is a a, a drive in us that needs to be fed And once we recognize that we have that need, there's only one place for us to go. Physically, there's only one place for us to go to have our hunger fulfilled. It's in food. And spiritually, there's only one place for us to go to to have that longing, that groping that we're doing, that longing for satisfaction to be filled. In fact, if you looked at John chapter 6 a little farther after what I read towards the end there, the disciples are, are gathered with Jesus and Jesus asks them if they want to leave. Do you want to, to leave? These teachings are hard. People are beginning to wander away. And he says, do you want to go too? He says to the disciples. And they said, there's nowhere else for us to go. Only you have the words of eternal life. He's the only place for us to go. Eating is about necessity. Eating and bread are about satisfaction. And eating is about the actual consumption. Eating is about the experience of doing it. Knowledge is not enough. When you're hungry, when your body needs nourishment, you can't just understand things about food. You can't just read the label of food and and understand exactly how many calories are in there and what it will do for your body and then set it aside and be Satisfied. You have to consume it. You have to eat it. You have to experience it. You can't just think about eating. That's not the same as eating. You can't just know the nutritional facts. That's not the same as eating. You can't just understand how food is processed by your body. That's not the same as eating. We have to taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalmist tells us. We have to consume it. 
We have to eat it. We have to be all in with it. If you're looking for sustenance, you have to eat, and you can't just eat donuts and candy. That will fill you up for a moment. That will give you some kind of satisfaction, but, but in the end, you will not have what your body needs. And we need to do the same. There are times when we come to Scripture that, that there are some hard things that we don't want to look at and we don't want to try to comprehend and take on. There are some vegetables in Scripture that we don't want to attack. We want to just flip to the next page. We want to find the next donut. We want to find the next cupcake. Eating is about consumption. We can't just have knowledge of it. We have to have the experience of eating it, of consuming it, so that we might know. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. You have to come through me. There's nowhere else. And then lastly, eating is about necessity. Eating is about satisfaction. Eating is about consumption. And lastly, eating is about responsibility. Eating is a very, not a very personal thing, but eating is a personal thing for you. For your body to survive, you have to eat. No one else can do it for you. I would love to eat for the rest of my family. When the whole cake is on the plate, I would love to have the whole cake. But everyone is responsible for making sure that they get nourished, that they get food, that their body gets what it needs. No one else can do it for you. And that's what Jesus says in John chapter 6. He, he Remember, he said it at the very beginning. He gave him the whole thing. Don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man he'll give you. Then he says, this is the work of God. You believe in him who he has sent. It's about your responsibility as well. The work is God's. But you must believe in him who he has sent. You must believe. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He uses that picture intentionally because we need it. Because he's the only thing that will sustain us. And we must believe in him. It's our only hope. That's how we come to the table this morning. Knowing that there is no other way for us. There's no other way for us to have eternal life. There is no other way for us to have our sins cared for except to look to the bread of life. It was the first picture that Jesus uses here in John, the first I am statement that John makes, or that Jesus makes in John chapter 6. But he returns to it, that same picture he returns to on the night before he's crucified. And he gathers in the room with the disciples. And again, he says, this is my body and this is my blood. There is no other way for us to be saved. We're going to celebrate together in communion this morning. I want to invite those that are going to come and, and help us today to come. You had the invitation. Pastor Ron mentioned it earlier. It's in your bulletin. It's also on the screen there. We would love for you to share in communion with us this morning, and we understand if you are not comfortable with that. But today, we're going to remember Jesus is the bread of life. He is the only way. He is the sustenance 
for our soul. He is what makes it possible for us to be righteous. Jesus is the bread. Matthew is going to lead us this morning. We're going to sing as we share communion. We invite you to take communion this morning and to hold it, and then we will take it together. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood Who fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood And never till my dying breath will I forget that look It seemed to charge me with his death Though not a word he spoke My conscience felt and known the guilt And plunged me in despair I saw my sins his blood had spilt And helped to nail him there But with a second look he said I freely all forgive This blood is for your ransom paid I died that you might live Forever etched upon my mind Is the look of him who died The Lamb I crucified And now my life will sing the praise Of pure atoning grace That looked on me and gladly took my place This represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life, the only way for us to have eternal life. Take and eat and be grateful.
Again, let me invite you to take the cup and to hold it, and we'll share together this morning. Thus, while his death my sin displays for all the world to view, such is the mystery of grace. It seals my pardon too With pleasing grief and mournful joy My spirit now is filled That I should such a life destroy Yet live by Him I give Forever upon my mind is the look of him who died the lamb I crucified and now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place forever etched upon my mind is the look of him who died the lamb I crucified and now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place. represents his blood that was shed for us so that we might have eternal life. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the bread of life. Take and drink and be grateful. Let's pray this morning. God, we are so grateful that you sent the word to become flesh and dwell among us, that you sent the light, that you sent the Messiah, that you sent the King of Israel, the Son of God, the Son of Man, that you sent the bread of life. God, help us. Help us to look to Jesus, not to what we think we might be able to do, not to some other sign, not to some other thing that ultimately will not satisfy us. God, let us only be satisfied today in Jesus. Let us only look to him. Let us only hope and believe in Christ today. Strengthen us from this. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.